0: Welcome to AIQ. I am your host, Kathy Hackle. In this limited run podcast, we have been exploring the future of artificial intelligence and helping you level up your knowledge of how AI might be used in business and how it'll impact the present and the future. For this last episode, I've saved Mike Pell's interview. Mike Pell is someone I admire deeply. He's an envisioneer and the director of the Microsoft Garage in New York. He's also an author of several books, including Visualizing Business, in the age of smart information. During this episode, we will dive deep into what the future could hold. As you'll see, Mike is someone that spends a lot of time thinking about the future and how technology will impact society and business. Before we get started, I do wanna comment on the fact that many of you have stayed with us during these four episodes. My hope is that you've walked away with more knowledge than you had before and that you've learned from some of the smartest people out there. People that have very different opinions or different career tracks, but that are part of this AI revolution. In every one of the interviews during this four-episode podcast, I have noticed the optimism that almost everyone brought to the interview. I think most of us are excited about technology and do believe that technology can make society better but it is up to us to make smart decisions on how AI is used, how it impacts society, who makes the decisions, and also what we can envision building with it. I hope this last episode will inspire you and will help you envision a better future using artificial intelligence. Hello, everyone. Uh, I want to welcome someone that I really, really wanted to have on AIQ, someone that I really admire, that I've known for years uh, from the industry and I think is a true visionary when it comes to technology in general. Uh, So Mike Pell, welcome to AIQ.
1: Hey, Kathy, thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I know it will be. I'm very excited. Uh, So, Mike, for, uh, for those people that are listening to AIQ and might not have come across your name, many have, but those that might not have, can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Of course. I'm an envisioneer, someone who can both have a vision of the future but then know enough about technology to go off and build it. I've had a very long career in the tech industry. Most recently, I run the Microsoft Garage here in New York City, which is Microsoft's worldwide innovation program, where I get to help people take their ideas and their passion and make it real very quickly.
0: Yeah, and I actually met you a couple years ago at uh, a Microsoft garage in Seattle, I remember. Mm -hmm. I came to visit you. That was super fun.
1: One of the originals.
0: Yeah, one of the originals. (laughs) So we've known each other for for quite a while. Uh, Let's maybe talk a little bit about your trajectory, kind of how you got to where you are at the Microsoft garage, and -hmm. some of the highlights of the things you've done.
1: Of course. Well, as I was saying, I've been in the industry a very long time believe it or not, since the dawn of the Macintosh. I I saw the original Mac come out, fell in love with Mac paint, thought it was the greatest Mm -hmm. thing ever. Uh, I was a coder, I was an artist, uh, had gone to school for fine arts, uh, but I was a designer. And so I just took all of that um, skill and started to apply that to the early days of the Mac, started a company with a friend of mine and went off and, and built up this great company where I learned everything about running a software company. Um, including you know, how to do sales, marketing, you know, coding, uh, being on the show floor, sweeping the, the floors, packing the boxes. <laughs> so it was a great education for me as, as far as how the tech industry works. But over the years, I have invented the font menu. You know, so we all mm-hmm. take for granted the stylized font menu, I actually hacked that into existence way back when. was part of a team that worked on a very, very early Mac Renderman with Pixar, you know, mm-hmm. helping them develop some 3D tools to do type. Back in the old days, invented Acrobat and PDF, literally hacked the very first PDF document into existence way back when, and have worked on the metaverse uh, like yourself Mm -hmm. 25 years ago, right? When it was just, you know, the beginnings of something, (laughs) we thought it was going to be Snow Crash and and clearly it was a little early, Uh, but have been doing the last 10 years, all of this innovation work at Microsoft. That's
0: amazing. And you're also Mm -hmm. an author, You have some amazing books out there that I've read. Uh, You have a recent book called Visualizing Business. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the books and then focus on visualizing business because it's a a great book. I know NASDAQ just did a whole thing on it. I mean, Mm -hmm. congratulations on the book.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was really fun to be able to launch the book at the brand-new NASDAQ uh, headquarters broadcast studios. That was a thrill. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and tell me, tell us about the books. Tell us about sure. the books you've written. So the and first, it's, it's
1: very interesting that you ask about this, Kathy. So mm-hmm. the first book I wrote in 2017 was called "Envisioning Holograms," and and the byline had to do with spatial computing. Mm-hmm. So isn't it funny that this coming Monday, <laughs> right, we're all going to get our Apple Vision Pros, right, yeah. and talk a lot about spatial computing? But that book was written to help people understand how to approach designing spatialness, right? If you had always worked on web pages or mobile apps or, you know, just something that was not 3D, this helped you to sort of get into that mindset. It's been used as a textbook. It was a lot of fun for me to be able to write that book with A-Press. And then the second book that I did a few years later was called The Age of Smart Information, Mm -hmm. which is really a tale told from the future about how the model for information is going to invert, so no longer will we have to figure out what every chart graph, you know yeah. um, article you know or journal is all about. It will actually be able to tell us, you know at the altitude and with the descriptions that are most meaningful to us, you know based on wherever we are or our habits. And then finally, the new book, as you mentioned, visualizing business is really what happens right now, you know after mm-hmm. generative AI when we combine data, AI, and spatial computing to be able to actually see how businesses work in a way that we've never been able to before.
0: And I think it's really important. So part of the the focus of AIQ is to help everyone raise their AIQ, right? And be more knowledgeable uh, about everything that's happening in artificial intelligence. What are you seeing at this moment, right? What are the things that you're noticing right now as an envisioneer that are being laid, you know, and created right now, created, for that future, what what are you seeing specifically when it comes to AI?
1: People are incredibly creative to begin with. I, I'm always mm-hmm. shocked. I mean, first of all, when you look at what's happening with TikTok, just the amount of creativity uh, on any given day that you encounter is astounding. People are doing that with AI right now. They're finding new ways to not only be efficient in their jobs. But to find revenue-generating opportunities, to find you know new ways to sort of do things they were never going to be able to do. I, I always like to tell the story, you know, I, I love concept cars, but mm-hmm. I am never going to be good enough, you know, as, as an <laughs> artist to be able to do concept car sketches. I just don't have enough time to learn that craft. How many seconds would it take me to produce a beautiful concept car sketch using one of these generative AI image mm-hmm. generators? No time at all. So that's really key. That's what I'm noticing the most is these AI tools that are coming into play are helping people to be able to do things they were probably not going to be able to do any other way, which is incredibly exciting. You know, so yes, it can help you be more efficient and yes, it can help you work in new ways, but can also give you superpowers. You know, all those things that we, we would aspire to do, but just probably weren't going to get there.
0: And when you think about tools right now, the AI tools that people have at their disposal and how they're able to incorporate that into their workflows. Do you have any, you know, nuggets for people to take with them as they start to think about, you know, how do I start, you know, including this in my process or, you know, any tips that you might have?
1: Sure. Well, you know that I work for Microsoft. Yeah. So (laughs) I'll just start by saying uh, Microsoft Copilot is starting to roll out um, it's free if you go to Bing.com. There's, you know, that is literally our best technology that we're putting out there for free to people to just use. Whether it's, you know, um, helping them summarize things or, you know, get a head start on something or, you know, generate images—a million things that it can do. But what I'm noticing is that because Copilot is integrated into all the things that you already do, people are starting to get the idea that this can be a trusted teammate. It can be an assistant to help them do things that. What either was very tedious, took a long time, or they just weren't very good at or, or just don't wanna do, frankly, for whatever reason. And so that's why it's called co-pilot, right? It's something that, that rides along with you to help you with the things that you're doing. And that's really the thing that I see people sort of taking to almost immediately. As soon as you realize there's something that help you not have to start from a blank piece of paper to analyze what just happened in a meeting to be able to go off and generate something that you can now, you know, collaborate with on other things. It's amazing. You know, people are really getting it.
0: When it comes to brands and companies right out there starting to implement AI, what are some of the things that you're you're hearing from them? Because I know you work with a lot of companies and a lot of brands that go through the Microsoft Garage and you're inspiring them and you're helping them. What are some of the things that you're seeing that they're getting ex- excited about when it comes to AI?
1: One of the things that we can do now that we've never been able to do this efficiently is go from idea to working prototype or idea to something to show. And so by using a lot of these brand new tools, you can skip a whole bunch of processes, and and you know this very well, to go from an idea for a product or a service And be able to skip all of the the 3d modeling and the programming and all the other things that would have to go into creating any kind of an mvp or any kind of a a prototype to just show someone now can be done in minutes it's astounding how far we've come in the prototyping process because we can just skip over many of the early steps that were very costly and just took forever and get to that point where now we can try things out on our customers and that's what the brands are seeing we no longer have to sew everything by hand and wait for the prototype to be shipped back to us. We literally can create something that looks very convincing and get feedback immediately. And that's what the big change is, is that we no longer have to wait for all these manual processes to play out.
0: And that's such a huge difference, right? It's cutting down on, on time, on expenses, and a lot of different things. So it's, it's a, I think, and, a big and moment. Very
1: sustainable, right? too, yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. as, especially in, in the fashion industry and, and luxury they can really make incredible gains, uh, not only on their efficiency, but on the sustainability side of the equation.
0: And I want to th- I want to talk a little bit also, since you're an envisioner, about what you see happening in the next couple of years, right? Because, like I said, I want people to get their to raise their AIQ, um, and let's I want to raise their AIQ about the future, right? About the future mm-hmm. of how this all mixes together and plays together that you've laid out so beautifully in a lot of your books. Um, but when you look at the next one to two years, like the yeah. nearer future, let's say. What are some of the inflection points? What are some of the things that you're seeing that you're looking at as you as you kind of look at that future, this short-term future?
1: Mm-hmm. What people are starting to discover is that they can use these AI tools to be an extra teammate or to be that teammate that they have not hired, whether it's to do market analysis, uh, you know, product market fit, to be able to do financial forecasting. To be able to look at what's happening competitively, to look at you know, what's happening you know, not only in the past, but to try to project forward. There is so much analysis that is built into these large language models as far as analysis capability that we haven't even tapped into yet. You know, like, yes, it can summarize, you know, a a chapter of a book or a document, Mm -hmm. but there's so much more to it to literally give you a very detailed breakdown and help you understand the rationale or how to re explain something to someone in a more clear way. So that's one thing. The next thing that I talk about quite a bit in visualizing business in this new book is how we're going to get to simulation. You can simulate right now using these AI tools very, very easily. You can feed in a spreadsheet. You can say, well, what if I change these variables? What would happen? Can you please explain why that particular thing happened in the marketplace? But the point that we're getting to is simulation being a very common thing within business. This is not something that we've ever been able to do economically. Like, Yes, there are masters of doing this, but they're paid a lot of money. The systems they use are incredibly expensive, and it takes a long time. It's not an instant interactive what-if scenario type of thing you can play out in a meeting. But that is what's coming within the next few years.
0: And that in itself, when you're you're talking about simulation, um, actually also leads me into scenario planning, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're thinking about strategic foresight and looking at the future future and envisioning that future, what are your thoughts around how AI is going to maybe change in some ways how we do scenario planning and strategic foresight?
1: What it allows is you to play out an infinite number of possibilities. I mean, we won't want to do that because it will be a bit time-consuming and overwhelming (laughs) if we don't pare them down, but the fact that like, let's say that you're gonna do a new ad campaign, right, for one of of the new products or services you have, you can literally simulate, you can play out Mm -hmm. how that would work or not work given a set of variables. You can change the variables to see that, you know, you're looking for a certain outcome or, you know, there's an unforeseen set of circumstances. That's going to help everybody to be better at their jobs. So not only sort of get the right answer for now, but to be able to project forward a bit and play out different timelines and different scenarios to sort of show you what could potentially happen and maybe open your eyes to things that would be very unexpected and very disruptive if you didn't pay attention.
0: I want to talk a little bit about something that you and I are extremely passionate about, and really where we know each other, which is the XR industry, the extended uh, mm-hmm. reality industry. What is the role of mixed reality as we head into this new, you know, era of like spatial computing and AI? But what is the role of what com- what comes with mixed reality?
1: What I talk about and what I've been talking about in the last few books is how mixed reality is is the perfect medium to help augment what I already know it helps me to see things that are invisible, right? That don't appear that way in in the physical world. But yet, you know, whether you're talking about a system or a process or a model of any kind, like, you know, a a business model, a mental model, we can actually see those projected, you know, through holograms and mixed reality in ways that make sense to us that didn't necessarily um, show up that way. Like, they're never going to show up in a charter graph that way. They're never exactly going to show up in a spreadsheet that way. But using these technologies, it's really you know now getting to be so easy to be able to show someone how something truly works. And because we're such visual creatures, it just like makes sense immediately. And that's always been the power of spatialness and dimensionality. The problem is we don't use it for the right reasons. We use it for ridiculous, gratuitous, just crazy stuff right now instead of the things that are truly meaningful. And that's the era that I think, you know, spatial computing now will unlock for businesses. And that's why I wrote this book is to try to lay out, you know, sort of the direction and and I think the steps that are going to happen to where people will start to embrace XR spatialness in what they use for business, not just to make, you know, crazy three D pie charts, but to actually see how their businesses work in a way that we've never been able to do before.
0: It kind of brings their business alive in a way they've never been able to engage with it, right, in, in new ways. Um, one of the things, you know, when we think about AI and how it's changing how we interact with technology, um, I'm also thinking the longer term of like spatial computing, right, and how it's going to change human to human communication. Um, you know, and you write, you know, in, in, in your book on holograms, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot that's about to change in human-to-human communications and interaction. What are some of the things that you foresee changing? Um, how is this spatialness that, you know, we're spatial beings, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to be able to engage with technology and with each other in more spatial ways. What are some of the things that are going to change in that human-to-human communications?
1: Yeah, one of the most exciting, Kathy, is what I call the neuroverse. It's a term I've been using for a few years to sort of capture the idea that there are many sensors that we wear, Mm -hmm. whether it's our our watches or rings or, you know, just the rooms that we sit in, the microphones, you know, and the cameras that are all around us, they're collecting all this information about us. And we're actually getting quite good at using that to determine emotion and feelings. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of the neuroverse is sort of a substrate that collects all this information, and can be used to, to sort of pipe into other experiences. So as you and I are talking, even though I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm picking up on subtle facial cues and, and the way that you, you know may answer a certain thing and I, I hear something in your voice, the systems that we're building now that will include you know mixed reality and, and AI and all these other things coming together will allow us in human-to-human communication to see an augmented view of emotion and feeling and sentiment and situation and presence and so you know it's just so as a designer it's very very exciting for me to think about how we can start to integrate this into our normal everyday or business communication just to get that completely different view that's either just below the surface you know and invisible normally or something we just weren't aware of you know how many times have we been in a meeting and we didn't realize that somebody was was really, you know, not believing anything that was going on and, and they were getting, you know, very upset or they they just couldn't believe that that this could ever happen. You you might not know unless they said something. You know, but what if it got easier for us to realize that maybe we should stop and ask their opinion? You know, that's something else. A project I worked on a few years ago, a steel case, it was very fun. To use the room as an active participant in our conversations. Mm-hmm. And so fueled by the Neuroverse and some of these other things, um, AI certainly, and its ability to sort of um, be an active participant, we can really change human to human communication in a very profound way.
0: And I love that you talk about the room being a participant, right? Because in my perspective, this convergence that we're living through with AI and, and everything that's happening in spatial computing It extends everything. Everything, computing gets expanded, right? To everything we can touch, see, and know. And everything becomes a spatial interface, right? Every surface around us becomes a spatial interface. So how do you see that also evolving?
1: Well, we're getting to the age of ambient computing, right? Where everything has been built into the surroundings, right? So we don't need to have a laptop or a watch or a phone. We will have the technology at our disposal. It'll be in in every surface, every desk, you know, every every watch, you know, every garment that we're wearing. And we're we're closing in on that very, very quickly. You know, things are being integrated, but it's not just sensors. It's the ability to interact with, with compute from anywhere. And it's so interesting now we've spent so many decades perfecting how to put pixels on the screen and making them exactly perfect. Everything is now switched over to figuring out how to have a great conversation. You know, how can I let you just talk and get whatever you want to get done, done? And that's a huge shift for experiential designers, for engineers, you know, and for anybody who's trying to figure out how to do a great product or service right now is that shift to not only, you know, the the idea of ambient computing and things being around us, but it being voice driven, right? For it being conversational.
0: And we're starting to see a lot of AI in different wearables, right? Um, And people are really excited about the new hardware What are you excited about when we start to put AI into these devices and objects that we start to use every day? Like, we already have a lot of AI on our mobile phones, but what if there's a different version, a different wearable that we end up wearing?
1: Well, certainly garments are going to be interesting, you know, in general, um, accessories, garments. But I think the more interesting thing to pay attention to, certainly for your audience, is that any type of AI will be used as a multiplier or an amplifier of human capability, human curiosity and and just you know the way that we want to be able to exist and interact and learn. And so that will literally be built into everything that we interact with. It's not just a tool, right? Tools we've always thought of as very passive and things that we have to we have to actually engage with the tool and make it do something. The AIs now are are literally going to be looking for opportunities To not only be helpful, but to do things with us, you know, maybe sometimes on our behalf, but most often, you know, as that that augmentation, right, as that that co-pilot, as that partner in what we do. And that's going to be very exciting because, again, when's the last time that something knew exactly what you were trying to do and stepped in to help?
0: Yeah, I love that because I feel like the shift that's upon us is technology understanding us and adapting to us, not so much us adapting to the device, and, and, and you know, right?
1: As it's always been.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, um, we're getting towards the end of the interview, and I kind of want to ask you to maybe think about the longer term future, right? We talked about the near term, but as an envisioner, how how, what you know what do you envision in the next five to ten years and i know that's hard but like you're Mm -hmm. one of those people that i trust Mm -hmm. in kind of what you're starting to look at and see um so what do you think in the next five to ten years what could it look like
1: in general there's going to be some very large things that will be addressed you know certainly you know planetary restoration right we we have to save the planet ai machine learning and these large systems will be applied to those problems that's great Uh, we will also start to i think more and more have to think about how do we interact better with each other you know so we're going to start to get into this age in the next five to ten years because we'll have these tools to step back and almost think about some of the star trek themed you know um, very very large problems to take on so what if we have a bunch of free time what are we going to do with that you know let's dream about what humanity actually should be doing with our time, rather than, you know, uh, doing things that are maybe meaningless in the grand scheme of things, we can actually start to do some incredibly big and very very important things for the world. And I think you know you know very well, uh, Gen Z and younger are do-gooders, right? They care about saving the planet. They care about each other. And I think that generation being empowered with these AI systems from a very young age, is gonna allow them to start to dream super big, bigger than we've ever thought, and actually go back and save the planet.
0: I absolutely love that, and that's a great way to end. Um, Mike, if people wanna connect with you, if they wanna find information on your books, where can they go to find more information?
1: Sure, well, the book's available, all three books are on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. You can go to visualizingbusiness.com if you wanna take a look at the most current one, or just go to my website, mike-pell.com uh, or mikepell.ai
0: Mike, thanks for being on AIQ and helping us raise that AIQ.
1: Can't wait to see you soon, Kathy. Come back to the garage.
0: we Will do. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike Pell. And as we close this Limited Run podcast, I want to leave you with a quote from sci-fi writer William Gibson. He said, The future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. That's why I think this podcast has been so powerful and why so many of you have reached out to us with positive feedback, because we were able to bring you different voices, different perspectives, and helped you understand a lot more about AI than you might've known before. Or even if you were an expert, there might've been some golden nuggets in some of the interviews or a different perspective or vision that was presented. I wanna thank everyone for joining these four episodes, for listening, for giving us feedback, and I definitely want to thank our guests in Microsoft Advertising. Thank you for joining AIQ.
1: Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content, so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.